Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer and Aaron Dotson, and bringing you the second episode of season two of Christianity Now. Uh, we got a some good videos lined up for you. I hope it's going to be a pretty positive discussion today. Uh, in the show notes, what I the description that I typed is we're going to look at a few videos from some well, actually two videos from some modern day philosophers, and um, what well, or three videos. Y'all, I can't remember how many videos I have queued, so y'all are going to be just as surprised as us. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they're modern-day philosophers, and the encouragement this gives me is that the world is ready for Christianity, and I think the world probably has always been ready for Christianity. There's always a subset of people that is looking for something more. Yeah. So we're going to look at uh, two vi- I think we're going to look at two videos from Jordan Peterson. And one from this guy, like his name is Simon Sneck, I think. Both of them are uh, secular. They, uh, Jordan Peterson claims uh, a tenuous association with Christendom. Uh, for a while, he would not answer the question whether or not he believed in God because he felt like that was trying to pigeonhole him. And you know what? He was right. He would be interviewed by people who were antagonistic to him. And he didn't, you know, do you believe in God? Well, if he answers yes, they're going to try to hang him on the horns of a dilemma. If they, if they answer no, he's gonna, they're going to try to hang him on the horns of a dilemma. But I think that he has since come out and said, yes, I do believe in God. But before that, his answer was always, I try to live as if God is real. And that's pretty profound, and that may be something we can talk about today, but uh, that's actually a, a passage of scripture. First um, uh, John chapter two. Uh, whenever you're, whenever you're doubting your relationship with God, just act in the world as if you believe He is real, and you're going to keep His commandments. Hereby do we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Is the idea. But anyway, that being said, Aaron, we have a verse that inspired our podcast. Do you have it at the ready? Absolutely. I'm trying to practice this verse. I've got the verse ready. (laughs) Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm not at the ready. There's usually a verse in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that, uh, let's see, where's it at, Aaron? Uh, Verse 26, I think. That's it. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present <laughs> distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. That's the New King James Version. And basically what Paul is saying there is I'm giving you some instructions on how to act based on current events. Folks, we need that. We Preaching, I'm not saying that preachers need to get up in the pulpit with a newspaper, but if if we're not plugged in to current events and understand how the world is going, then we won't be able to help the church and, and how she ought to go. We need to have, as the sons of Issachar did, an understanding of the times. Well, God's timeless truths are timely when you understand them and yes. when you understand how what we can learn from it. You know, even, even if adverse doesn't apply to us, there's something you can learn from it. 
Oh, absolutely. I, that's you something know. I've come to really believe, you yep. know, even if it doesn't apply to me, there's something I can learn from it that will help me in this present age. Well, I mean, that that's Romans chapter 15, verse four, for whatsoever yep. things were written aforetime were written for our learning that yep. we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Folks, there are eight of you in the live stream. You can't, um, you just, I can't communicate how encouraging that is. Why don't you share the live stream? Yep. Be the algorithm for us. Have whatever, whatever page or platform you're watching on, just share it. Let long press, share to your timeline, to whatever social media that, that you're most comfortable or most active on, and maybe, maybe even tag some of your friends. Um, good morning, Debbie Mangus. Good to see you. And um, I know that uh, some of you are probably uh, holdovers from watching Daryl Broking and his Truth Tuesdays. And I'm I'm glad that Daryl is uh, having it has a show on Tuesdays uh, to that effect. But anyway, Aaron, how have you been, man? Hey, I've been doing well. Been uh, learning some new things and adjusting some adjusting to some things that uh, I knew from seven years ago. Yeah, and I'm on my second rodeo now with our second daughter. So it's it's great though. It's uh it's truly a gift from God. So I it's. Imagine. It's great. But yeah, things are going well. Trying to learn how to get into some kind of rhythm, you know. Yeah. It's it's challenging. Yeah, when you have youngins like that, a routine is very important. Yes. And uh, I wish I could say I had a routine. I have a routine. Yeah, we're trying to get back after all those holidays. And then last week with my wife's granddaddy dying and traveling with a three and a half week old to, you know, (laughs) six hours away, trying to get uh, Cheyenne back in her school stuff. and Sure. Mama's got a full load, so I'm trying to help her when I can. And right, brand new baby, breastfeeding, and I guess I didn't have to say that on the show, but that's not a bad word. No, but anyhow, you know, it's well, I mean, you it's a lot feed of them formula or breastfeed them. I mean, I, you... I say it's no secret, yeah. So it's a, it's a lot of stuff going on, but it's, it's good. We sleep good when we sleep. I'll say that. that. We do, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or at least I, at least I do. Mama yeah. probably doesn't sleep fully, fully asleep. Yeah. Unless I'm holding the baby and I'm yeah. sitting up, and she don't have to worry about me dropping the baby. Or <laughs> so, um, what what's her name again? Molly. 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 June. So I call her MJ. MJ. Now, how, MJ's three and a half, four weeks old now. Yeah. Let's see. Today is four weeks. Okay. Yeah. So at at four weeks, red hair, no red hair. It, she's got red in there. Yeah, it may be a mix, but there's red in yep. there. When the oh, sun hits go. it, boom, it's in there. <laughs> there you go. There We're just go. waiting to see how much, you know, how much yep. and how long it lasts. Oh, there you go. Yep. Well, I know, I know it, it, Cheyenne sure is a pretty little girl and, uh, she's got that red hair. There's yeah, no boy. denying that. So yeah, yeah. And a lot Cheyenne of pressure. Is, Cheyenne lot- is so intensely <laughs> expressive. Yeah, she is like, it, it's, it's really neat to observe her in yeah. play and how she interacts with people. She's very intensely expressive. Uh, yes. It's neat. Yes. She's been, Cheyenne's been sleeping pretty well, you know, overall. And if the baby gets to crying a lot, we'll shut the door. But, you know, she's, it's an adjustment for all of us. Cause like oh, yeah. in the middle of the night, last night, you no, know, paid about three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I think the baby had a poopy diaper and mama's changing the diaper (laughs) and and uh cheyenne woke up she walked in there she was not alarmed she just she doesn't she hasn't been walking in there much because we've told her honey you know you're gonna have to 
for now, completely sleep in your bed. You just can't get in here with us with the baby and that kind of stuff. And right. but any, anyhow, that's what we've chosen to do. So we, you know, I, she, she'll come, she came in there and she hadn't been coming in there much lately. You know, I took her in at night, read her books and, uh, plug for your Bible or your uh, story reading. We've listened to a few of your story reading story time. Oh, I can't awesome. remember. Yeah. I can't remember what that was a genuine plug, by the way, we've yeah. listened to some of those and, uh, Cheyenne was like, I want to listen to that. And I'm like, honey, it's too late. If you want to listen to that tomorrow night, we'll get in the bed a little bit earlier. Cause God bless her. That, yeah. <laughs> she, I, she likes it though. Yeah. I know. So I, I, I wish like she can't understand it as an adult. But that gives me so much encouragement. Like that really yeah. makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And like you cool. can't explain that to her because she's just a kid. She likes that's what right. she likes. I mean, it absolutely, yeah. you know, if, if she, if she tomorrow wants to listen to a hundred different other things, it's not going to bother me a bit. But the fact that she wants to listen to mine really makes yeah. me happy. And yeah, we've listened to two or three, I think. Yeah. And, and the first time I told her who it was and the, the next time we listened, it was several weeks later, you know, it yeah. wasn't like a regular, and, and I said, do you remember who it was? And she did, you know, she's That's like, cool. yeah, I know who it was. It's Tony. Sometimes she forgets that you were at Bay. She's like, oh. and he, was he at Nettleton? I'm like, yeah. no, it wasn't Nettleton. You know, well, she had Bay. Seen me oh yeah. Going on three years now. Right. Or two. She thinks sometimes you were at Nettleton. I'm like, no, yeah. that's where Brock was. Brock yeah. was at Nettleton. He was at Bay. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, she and then can keep all that stuff straight. She she wants to though. I you know, like she. Can. Yeah, she wants to keep it. So three o'clock in the morning last night, she or this morning, she comes in and she says, Is everything okay? Yeah. And so I ended up going back in there with her in her room. Just you know, you, you don't want her to think that only the baby gets attention. You know, that's so, absolutely. I mean, competition's good, but I want her to feel well, valuable too. The, the, you know, I have heard. I am by no means an expert, but I have heard that a little sibling rivalry is very, very healthy mm-hmm. because, especially for the younger sibling as well. Because I mean, right now it doesn't matter. The baby's a baby. The baby is learning yeah. about existence first, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but. You know, let's say, you know, how old is Cheyenne now? Seven? Yeah. Yeah. So seven and three. Um, so about when, when, seven and four months, something like yeah, that. When Cheyenne is 10 and Molly June is three, then there's going to be some sibling, sibling rivalry there. And the three-year-old Molly June will learn not the world doesn't revolve around them. And uh, Cheyenne, the 10-year-old, will also, in essence, learn the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's a really good chance to. To, to help uh, engender an, an attitude of uh, I'm not entitled. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to trust the people that love me to hold mm-hmm. space for me and take care of my needs. And it, there's really amazing things you can do with that. Yep. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm not, if you, if you are a set of parents and you only had one children, God bless you for having a ch- one children, Amen. one child, God bless you for having a child. But there are some really great advantages in having multiple children. Um, yeah. And there's really great advantages to having multiple children close to the same age, you know. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Yeah. Children are such a blessing and an asset, especially if you seek to serve the Lord while you have children, because you're 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 learning something about selflessness. Well, you know, if, so and, many so many people loving, faithful, bought in. Christian people, they don't they 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 don't possess the skill set. Not not that there's anything inherently wrong with them. They just don't possess this particular set of skills 
to go out, knock on a door, get a Bible study, sit down in the kitchen counter and convert somebody and baptize them. Yeah. But they'll, 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 they'll rear their children up and they'll baptize their children into Christ. Yeah. That's, that's a bit, look, I would love it if, I know this is unrealistic, but I could wish that every Christian parent, the only person they ever convert to Christ is their children, but they're guaranteed to convert their children to Christ. Mm -hmm. Then the church would grow by leaps and leaps and leaps and bounds and bounds and bounds. Yeah. And, and think about Noah. He, he failed as an evangelist except in one area. He kept his children faithful. Yeah. Evidently. I mean, he, they, they got on the ark anyway. Yeah. Good old Noah. I guarantee it. All right. Enough pontificating, Aaron. Are you ready for the first video? Absolutely. Put it on. That's, life right. is going good. Glad to be on the show. Thanks for everybody watching, y'all. Awesome. Brand, I think I've already said it, but Brandon Dreschner, good morning. Douglas Connerly, good morning. All is well with Aaron and Aaron and me. All is well with me. Yeah. Make sure you get them. Got to be grammatically correct. Uh, by the way, for those of you that are watching, I did share a link in the comment section to an Etsy shop for a t-shirt that I have, that, that I have designed. That's a mm -hmm. lie. I really didn't design it. I plugged this logo that I purchased a few years ago into a t-shirt designer. And, um, that's anyway. You can order it. It's a way to support the podcast and get a little something back besides hearing more of my voice. And uh, that's all I've got here. All right. You ready, Aaron? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Human brain. All right. Let me set this up where it's supposed to be. It never it never defaults to right. Yeah. Yeah. Wish that uh, were different. Ain't that the truth? It's probably operator error. Could Yeah, be. raising godly children is a great way to grow the kingdom. Yep. All right. The human brain cannot comprehend the negative. It is incapable. Don't think of an elephant. Uh, can't tell the human brain not to do something. Do uh, you remember Keith Moser doing that? Don't think of an orange. You know, you, and, and we were taught this in preaching school. You can't, you can't contemplate it. You can't think about it. You can't comprehend the negative. Yeah. You only can, and, and oh, I, I got a hush. Let's watch, let's watch the video. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so what happens is we very often reinforce things when we put things in the negative. Right? Have you ever seen skiers go through trees? Do you know how they do that? It's very easy. It's actually surprisingly easy. If you go through trees on skis and you go, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree, guess what you're watching? You're only looking at trees. As opposed to follow the snow, follow the path, follow the path. The only thing you see is the path. So th think about driving on a road. I used to think about this when I first started driving. I was, uh, I got my driver's license and I was able to, you know, 16 years old driving those country roads. And I'm like, what if this country road and you, and you split it in half? Cause I'm, I'm on one lane. What if it had a 1000 foot drop off on either side of the lane? Would I be driving this road as fast? Like, would I be able to, like, how do you, 
you know, you, you, you're driving down a country road, let's say 35, 40 miles an hour, which is probably too fast on most of the country roads in Northwest Tennessee, where I grew up. And you have a vehicle coming at you going 25, 35, 40 miles an hour. If you hit that person, you're dead. Mm -hmm. And you don't even think about it. Why do you not think about it? You're not focused on the person coming. You're just focused on where you're supposed to be. And it works out. You know, if, if that, if, if you raise that, that, you know, eight foot wide lane, maybe it's eight foot, maybe it's only six foot. I don't know. But if you, if you raise that eight foot wide lane up a thousand feet where there's a, there's a 1000 foot drop off on each side, it's still the same width, but you start thinking about what's not on the road. Yep. And I think you'd run off the road. Yep. You've got to, you got to focus on the path. This is wonderful. Mm -hmm. All right. Skiers know this. If you say don't hit a tree, you'll hit a tree. If you focus on the obstacles, all you will see is obstacles. If you focus on the path through the tree, all you will see is path through the trees. It's your choice how you choose to perceive your own career. It's literally perspective. The human brain. So that, that Simon Snack, you can, you can look him up and find a lot of good stuff from him. Um, we don't need any more than that. We just need, need that. Aaron? <laughs> I, I couldn't help but think about the book of Philippians. Yep. You know. Um, yes, and and the does the passage I'm trying to put my finger on it. The passage that Paul wrote uh, thought it was in First Timothy, maybe in Titus. To the pure, all things are pure. Does yes. that verse have anything to do with this concept? It seems like it might. It, it yeah. I'm uh, not trying to take it out of its context, but no, I, uh, I've really thought about that. And I think I've used to, that verse. To the pure, all things are pure. To the, and I I can't. I have to grab the passage uh, through my search here. Um, let's see here. It is. I thought it's First Timothy, but Titus one fifteen. Titus, yes, yeah, I knew it was like one fifteen, and I looked up First Timothy, and that wasn't it. Yeah. Let's go over there and read it. I don't know it. <laughs> may not but all right well in the in the context um for this reason i left you in crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as i commanded you and then it goes on um and lists the prerequisites and now the reason you're ordaining elders in verse 10 there are many insubordinate both idle talkers and deceivers especially those of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who Mm -hmm. subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. King James says slow bellies. I think slow bellies is actually better because if your belly is slow, that means what you eat in your belly doesn't get digested fast enough and it rots. It rots and you die from the inside out. This testimony is true, therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him being abominable 
disobedient and disqualified for every good work. I, I think that you know that now that you've said that, Aaron, that may looks, go back to go looks ahead. like to looks like to me that if you if if you put your mind on the things that are pure. You're going to think things that are pure. You're going to see things that are pure. The things that are pure are going to be magnified. Kind of like, you know, you can see the good if you look hard enough. Yeah. Well, that means, means your mind do. needs to be good. Yeah. yeah. Which means you're going to do things that are pure. But do you remember? So we're, I'm, we're studying, um, we'll studied Haggai. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, me, let me flip over to Haggai chapter two. There's a very interesting um, passage of scripture. In Haggai chapter two, Zechariah. So just like that video said, the guy said, you know, when you, you get your mind on something, uh, if you focus on that, which you need to focus, you'll do the things that you need to do. And if you focus on the things you don't need to do, you'll do those things. Yes. That's that's what made me think of that verse in Titus, you know? Well, so, and think about this to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled, everything's defiled and you're disqualified from good works. Check this Mm -hmm. out. Uh, Haggai chapter two, starting in verse 12. If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment and with his skirt do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? Hmm. Well, and the priest answered and said, no, like they knew this. Like if you're carrying something that's holy for the temple and you touch something that is not set apart, that thing doesn't become set apart. Right. But the converse is not true. And the, here's the other question. If one touch that is unclean by a dead body, if, if, one, if one, rather, that is unclean by a dead body, touch any of those things, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Now, here's the punch. Here's the, here's the application. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. Now listen to it, Now I want you to lean in and listen, my brethren. And so is every work of their hands. These people were defiled, and they defiled themselves because they weren't doing what they were supposed to do, and that means every work of their hands was also defiled. And that which they offer is yep. defiled. It's unclean. unclean. Yeah. I said this before that you cannot do a good work unless you are in a right relationship with God through Christ Jesus. Because you are disqualified from every good work. Yeah. Can't do it. Well, and, and, and I've, I haven't re- until recently, I haven't had the nomenclature to fully expound upon this. but. Um, virtue is not goodness. A virtuous act is not the same as being good. There is none good, but one that is God. You cannot be good unless you're also godly. Yeah. And that's a hard pill to swallow. And my, I had, I had some of my brethren really stand against me. And, uh, anyway. Well, First Peter two, you know, speaks of people in Christ being, uh, being living stones, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. They are the individuals that offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. 
So these yes. are people that have been made right with God. They've been purified. First Peter one, they've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. So they are the ones that are qualified to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Verse nine, to proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. People in the world can't do that. They can right. try to, and they can pretend to, but it's not acceptable to God. Verse five, first Peter right. two, five. Well, check this out. Here, here's Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Yep. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? You know the answer is yes. Yep. Is that not good works? Well, then I would declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. You who practice lawlessness, mm -hmm. their quote unquote good works were labeled as practicing lawlessness. Uh, the King James translate that you workers of iniquity, mm -hmm. you bad workers, you workers of bad things. Yep. But wait a second. I'm, I'm doing stuff. I, I have the, I have the power of God and I'm casting out demons. I'm healing people. Well, depart from me. I never knew you. But you didn't obey God. That's it. That's that's what the Lord said. You know, that's it. I can hear uh, B.J. Clark saying, using, you know, going to these verses. I've heard him several times in sermons and I can hear him saying something like, you know, the Lord says that that these individuals will will hear depart and him saying something like, wouldn't it be great if the Lord told us who will not depart, but who will enter? Well, he did. Yep. He said it very clearly in verse 21. He said who would enter. <laughs> That's it. Read verse 21 if you would. <laughs> yeah. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's it. That's it. And and that's the thing. You have to do the will of the Father with the right mindset. You know, it's yes. it goes back to Hebrews chapter 6, uh, chapter 11, rather, verse 6. You have to believe that God is. Mm -hmm. and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him in order to yep. be pleasing to God. You can, you can do these virtuous works. You can feed the poor. You can, you can house the homeless. You can visit the sick in prison. You can clothe the naked. But if you don't believe that God is and that it's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, you're not doing a good work yep. because you are disqualified from doing good works. Yes. Oh, my brethren, my brethren, yes. pay attention to that. A, a couple of Sunday nights ago, uh, I preached a sermon about sincerely following truth. So I yep. looked at Joshua 24, 14 and Joshua 4, 24, compared the two. We're familiar yep. with John 4, 24, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. We must do that. Joshua said something similar at the end of his life. Now, therefore, serve the Lord your God in sincerity and in truth. Very similar to what Jesus said. That's right. And I, I just I emphasized first that we must be that we must be people that serve God sincerely from the heart and genuinely. But it must be 
the truth that we're following. In other words, I looked at kind of both sides, the sincerity yes. and the truth. And and when I completed my thoughts on the truth part of how so many miss that, they say, God knows my heart. You know, as long as I mean it in my heart, I don't have to follow the details of the law or the gospel, you know, that Jesus has given. But then I right. flipped it back on us because nearly all of us are members of the church. I said, we, you know, the Sermon on the Mount is about serving God, God's word from the heart. We can't get into the routine of a checklist, Big Ten Christianity, as you call it. You know, we can't get into this, cannot treat God like a routine. No. We cannot treat God like a list, uh, like a gear done, I'm good to go. And we can't treat it, we can't treat our obedience as earning, as a wage. We've already, outside of Christ, we have earned a wage. That's eternal damnation. Yes. And so I, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, we, uh, I want to end this segment with talking about Philippians here because I want to end on a positive note because, you know, we, again, humans can't comprehend the negative. We've been talking about the negative, right? You know, don't do this, don't do this. Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and I guarantee you the Holy Spirit knew this about humanity. So instead of just giving us a list of don'ts, here's the list of do's, all right? I'm going to start reading in Philippians chapter three, verse three, for we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless. But what things are gained to me, these I have counted as loss, as dung for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, dung, that I may gain Christ. I got a little head of myself a while ago when I said dung. Anyway. Got excited I'm, about dung. <laughs> I know. It's, it's just a word. It's such it's a, just, it's, yes. it's an, it was an expletive of the day. Paul cussed. <laughs> Th- this, is the, this is the moral equivalent of saying the word S-H-I-T in his day. Oh, Paul. Yes. Anyway, uh, he, he counts them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He's focusing on the positive. He said, I don't think about those things that I lost. I don't think about the negative. I focus on the positive. Listen to it. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but one thing, and I don't read the italics here. I don't think they fit. I count not myself to have apprehended, but one thing. Here's what I've accomplished. I forget those things which are behind. I don't focus on them. 
That's mm-hmm. negative. I don't focus on what I had to give up. I focus on what I'm working towards. I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yep. Let as many of us as are mature have this mind. Yep. Folks, if you focus on what you lose and what you have to quote unquote give up for Christ, you will always be focusing on that which you give up and, and that will always have a pull. That yes. will always have a pull. Yes. That's a wonderful point. Yes. And and I remember whenever I was playing pool, two different words, <laughs> um, hmm. I would practice seven or eight hours a day sometimes, <laughs> and I got good. Yeah. Bound to it eight hours. <laughs> yes. Uh, not not every day. Yeah. <laughs> but two or three days a week, I would I would run drills sometimes for six hours, and I would play competitively for a couple or three hours. Two or three days a week. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't my mind. I wasn't wrapped up in Christianity. I had plenty of free time, and it didn't matter yeah. where you went because you had no moral compass. Not right. a, not a portion of my life I'm proud of. Right. But the point is, psychologically, if you if you address the table, you line up for a shot, and you say, "Oh, I don't need to miss this." Your brain from that thought only pulls one phrase. Don't miss, miss this or miss this. Yeah. You focus and you, you envision pocketing the ball before I ever stepped up to the table. I had already envisioned in my mind running out. I already knew exactly where I was going to go through the table, go, go through the rack. If I was playing nine ball, i you know, I already know where I'm going to go, what kind of shape I need to draw, all of that good stuff. And I had already run out before I stepped up to the table. I didn't focus on missing. Yep. You know, that's got to be true in every competition, every sport. When someone excels to a high level, they're not focusing on the failure because the things that people perceive as failures are actually what sharpen the person to be so successful. It yes. gets them to where because they're focusing on the success, how those balls line up, how they go in. I've heard, uh, very few people probably know, uh, but I like hockey a lot. Right. And they say in hockey, the goalie, you know, they're focusing on the next goal constantly. Right. And as soon as they let a goal go past them, a puck go past yep. them. From what I've read, I've read several things online, so it's got to be true, right? The internet. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it says, supposedly, the thing is, is immediately when they forget it, they are to strive to forget it yep. and focus on the next goal. Because if they think about how they fail, and all of them to a degree will go, they'll be oh, yeah. disgust. You get mad. But that can't last long. I mean, yeah. that's, that just can't last long. Because if it carries over at all, next thing you know, the other team's back down in your back down on your yeah. end, and you know, and they're going to get you in a position where you you're going to get scored on. If the defense, you know, they're two or three attackers, and they if it when it's two and three on one against one goalie, I don't care if he's the greatest goalie that ever lived. Eventually, he's going to get scored on. I That's mean, it. you can't anyhow. Well, so I, I play competitively this online game called Elden Ring. Yeah, I've heard you mention that before. I love yeah. it, and. I, I I I play other people competitively. Um, my attitude is I never lose. I have never lost one match. If I am defeated, I learn something. 
If I win, well, that's a win. But I never lose, even if I'm defeated. That's that's a thing. Yeah. And I tell you, um, I, I made a new character that's just a, a sword and a shield. None of that fancy stuff, none, nothing. And so I go to the arena, and I battle in the arena with nothing but a sword and a shield. And let me tell you something, that's a grind. But I've moved up the rank, and I've got my gold banner down on what's called the meta level where all the skillful players are. And, um, it's, it was hard fought, but it, it, I, when I first started that out of 10 matches, I would probably be defeated eight times, maybe nine. Now I win eight or nine out of 10. You never lose. You learn or you win. Yep. That's why we need to think about that in life. Yep. Now, the cool thing about it as it pertains to our podcast today, this is the message that people are wanting. Yep. And evidently, this is the message that God wants to preach. Yep. Why it's, aren't Christians out there preaching and teaching it? It's good news. It's good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's whoa, not. Wait. Well, people got to repent. The, yeah, but it's good news. Yeah. You know, can... you know, you know, the word good news is not in the Bible, Aaron. <laughs> You'll never find that phrase good news in the New Testament. Not even in the word gospel. Well, now, now you're now you're quibbling. Yeah. No, y'all know we're being sarcastic. Gospel <laughs> means good news. <laughs> you know, it again, but if we think about our God and about his word and his son in a way that makes us cringe or that causes us to look at lost people like, oh, they wouldn't ever accept it. Oh, they're in, they're yeah. in adultery. Mm. They, they'd have to repent of adultery. They, yeah. See, that's the way we do things. Instead of going, you know what? God is great and good. Yeah. And the gospel is good. It's the goodest of the goodest. It we can are, change we are, an adulterer's heart yes. when it's accepted. We are trying to get people to trade finite worldly pleasure for infinite spiritual pleasure i guess what would you say besides pleasure treasure Tr treasure truth life truth, you yeah. know yeah well, you're, you're trading death for life yeah oh i had to you know i had had to give up my wild ways running around and being promiscuous and stuff like that really oh that's terrible yeah you know but you know I, i'm I'm a God follower, but I can't do any of the things that I like. No, that's <laughs> change the things that you like. Yeah, that's right. Focus on those things. If you be risen with Christ, yep. set your affections on those things that are above. Yeah. Oh, you mean I've got a choice in what I like? To a large extent, yes. Now, there may be some biological markers. There may be some trauma that's rewired your brain that you have to work very, very much harder to suppress those urges and desires. That's mm -hmm. understandable. Yep. But generally speaking, 100% of the time you can change what you like and what you want. Yeah. And there's no trials, you know, I mean, God will provide a way he, you know, the, uh, temptation is common to man. Oh yeah. There, then there is, there has no temptation overtaken you. Right. But, but such is such common is to man. Common. Yeah. Yep. First, yeah, first Corinthians 10, isn't it? That's right. First Corinthians 10, 13. Barry O'Dell says, in my years of training in martial arts, my teacher always taught me that when you lost in a fight or in a tournament, you didn't lose. You got taken to school. 
That's it. You either <laughs> you either lose. I mean, uh, duh. You either win or you learn. Yeah. There is no loss. Yeah. That's it. And Brandon says, whatever is noble. I want to read, but Paul goes on to finish this. Yes. Um, be anxious for nothing, mm-hmm. but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever, what, what, so, what in the world did I do? <laughs> there you what go. So, <laughs> it's a new word. I know. It's the new, it's the new, new it's, King James it's version. The, it's the buckwheat version. <laughs> what, whatsoever things. Sorry. Anyway, sorry, yeah. I shouldn't be so cavalier when I'm reading God's yeah. word. <laughs> Finally, brethren. Me too, sorry. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just, mm-hmm. whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely. Whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Don't meditate on the, on the to the pure. All things are pure to the to the defiled. Everything's defiled. And you have disqualified yourself from good works. Focus on the positive. Accentuate the positive. Diminish the negative. Press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Yep. And that's you know, the message the world wants. They do. And if they just hear negative, 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 we're doomed. Sin is terrible. You're a sinner. If that's all they hear, if they're not hearing the good news, then they're not hearing the good news. <laughs> that's right. If they're not hearing about the love and the grace and the mercy and the hope and the forgiveness, then merely telling them they're doomed and that their lifestyle is wrong, that's not going to get them anywhere. A lot of people outside of Christ already know that their lifestyle is not good. A lot of people, it don't take that long to help them understand that or see that. That, Some people might be a little different, but a lot of people, they're they're so bogged down in their sin, and they wish so bad they could hit a reset button. Yes. And and, and if my, my... one very important lesson my dad taught me, and it had to do with people who smoke cigarettes. People who smoke cigarettes already know that it's wrong and you shouldn't do it and they have shame for it. The way you know is that people who smoke cigarettes, it is, it is absolutely okay to discriminate against them in our society. They roll over and they take it. Why? Because they know it's wrong. In the wintertime, you have to you ostracize people who smoke you. They have to go outside in the cold and the rain and the heat in the summertime, all that good stuff. They're they're they have to they're segregated. I mean, think about that. Smokers, people who smoke cigarettes, are segregated from people who don't smoke. Mm-hmm. And they are treated as less than. Their medical insurance is higher. Their life insurance is higher. They, they get treated differently when they go to the doctor. They already know they're in a different category. They already know. And, and they, they know. roll over and take it because they agree with it. Now, do you think that a person that smokes cigarettes, do you think he's smoking or she is smoking because they want to smoke or they, they don't want to smoke and they are, they are held prisoner by it? Mm-hmm. So don't jump down their throat and tell them how bad they're going to hell. Give them something, the positive to focus on. Mm-hmm. 
you know, help them yeah. through it. Yeah, the more and, they and, focus on the positive and the proper motivations to quit, yeah. they can get out of it. Yeah. You know. And, and that's the same way with saying, you think a man that, that's been married and divorced nine times, you think he really feels like he's living his best life on this <laughs> earth that he can live? No, God forbid. He knows he's screwed up. Yep. So offer him a way out of it. Yep. And, and I, I, look, I'm not making this up. I actually met a guy when I was 18 years old. He should have hit me in the face, by the way. I was a punk. I met him and, um, he was getting lumber for a deck and I loaded him up and we were talking. He said, yeah, I'm going to go unload this and, uh, and set up the frame for this deck. And then I've got my, I've got a wedding to go to tonight. I said, oh, really? I said, who's getting married? He said, me. <laughs> I said, you mean you're, you're, you're working the day you're getting married? He said, well, it, I've been married nine times before. So it, I said, you're kidding, right? He said, no, I've been married nine times before to eight different women. One of them I married twice. And I, I'm not joking with you, Aaron. I said, really? I said, well, it's how many, how many, how many women do you have to go through before you start realizing it might not be their fault? <laughs> it might be something. <laughs> he laughed and he said, well, yeah, I thought about that when he should have punched me in the nose because <laughs> that was disrespectful. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I was, I was, <laughs> there's a, there's a Ray Stevens song called divorce court or people's court. And one of the Arlo Drucker in the song says, yeah, I'm not going to get married anymore. I'm just going to go out every three or four years, find a woman I hate and buy her a house. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, kind of that's what it turns into when you, well, when you do trade it like, like trading in a car. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the point is, well, what was the point Aaron? Oh yeah. That I, person knows that he's not living yeah. a high quality life. Yeah. So I'll offer him a way out of it. I met this individual, uh, one time that, uh, I was working with at the time. And uh, this individual had been in the Marines, uh, you know, and this was several years ago. And right. he had been in the Marines several years before. Yeah. Marines, in my opinion, are tough people. Well, that, that's and, not an opinion. You yeah, got to be the amount of toughness to be in the Marines. They're tough. And uh, this individual in all ways appeared to be tough in a lot of ways. Yeah. And uh, over a short amount of time of being with this individual working off and on at various times. I wasn't with him all the time, but was with him a good bit. Uh, he, he started, you know, I find myself in a situation where people tell me stuff and I don't ask them. But a lot yeah. of times, a lot of times, especially when it's a non-Christian, it leads to a great opportunity that I can teach them, you know, so Absolutely. try to, you know, but uh, this individual went on talking about had they had had so many different relationships with so many different women. But as the conversation continued on, I didn't really say much except, oh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, just listening like, oh, really, yeah, that this individual just started tearing up, and I, I didn't know what was wrong with him, and I look over at him, and he basically you know, we're on the job working together, yeah. manual labor. <laughs> and he's, you know, tearing up. I don't mean he was bawling, but he started tearing up. And he's sure. like, I've just made a mess of my life. The conversation started out with, you know, I've, I've scored a lot of points. I've been with yep. a lot of beautiful women. Yep. And the next thing I know, the, the, the guy was saying that, you know, this was really hard on him. He felt it, really bad about it. It does not fulfill you. It was amazing. I had never seen it up close like that, that intimately, you know, and I, yeah. and I was like, yeah, you know, so I start trying to talk to him about how there, there is a reset, you know, through Christ, there is a reset and it. it's being born again, you know, but 
I don't know where that individual is now in life, but that was one of my several short-term, you know, jobs and younger years. But maybe he'll come to God one day. I hope. Uh, maybe you you planted a seed. All right, I, we we we've forty seven uh, minutes yeah, in. I know. So I know. We, let's run through these videos. I want to share this one. Go ahead. Uh, this is from Jordan Peterson. I actually have two videos from Jordan Peterson. So uh, hopefully this one has sound. I actually swiped this one off of YouTube, but sometimes YouTube is funny. So to encourage them, you have children. You have to encourage them. You have to encourage them to take risks because they have to grow up and take their place in the world. You can't protect. Well, hold on. All right. So you have to encourage your children to take risk. That is healthy. You need to do that. All right. Them too much because if you do, you destroy them. That's the motif of Hansel and Gretel. Right? Two kids lost in the woods. They find the gingerbread house. That's a little bit too good to be true. Right? It's not only shelter when you need it, but it's candy. What lives inside the house that's too good to be true? The witch that devours you. Right? That's excess compassion. So you don't want your mother to do everything for you, that's for sure. There's a rule if you're dealing with the elderly in like extended care homes, don't do anything for your clients that they can do themselves because you undermine their autonomy. And so there's a certain amount of harshness that goes along with that, just as there is if you're a good mother because you have to separate yourself from your child and allow them to make hurtful mistakes. Right? I mean, it's, it's very difficult if you're a compassionate person to stand back far enough to let your children take necessary risks. All right. That that's look makes me think of the loving father. It must have been so hard for him to let his son go. Yeah, because he was a man of great compassion, but he well, let that, him go. And and I, you know, talk about you know the father in heaven. Yep, he gave us free will. He put the the tree in the midst of the garden. Yep, and a lot of people say, well, why did he do that? Because he loves us. We we would be automatons, yeah. and, and and have no will whatsoever of our own, if he hadn't have put the tree in the garden. Yeah, free will is an act of love on the part of God, no doubt. Yes, and and that that is seen in this in this old adage: if you love something, you have to let it go because it go. if it if it leaves and comes back, you know you really have it, and if it leaves and never returns, then you know you never really had it. And that's the yep. way God is. And, and man, there's just so much. Yes. There, there's, there's too many verses in the Bible that have that sentiment embedded in them to talk about in the next six hours. Yeah. This yep. is the message of the world. Jordan Peterson speaks to so many people because this is the message that they're craving. And this is what you find in God. This is the freedom you find in God. I love you. You can do anything you want to do, but here's what I want you to do because I love you. This is the best thing, but you don't have to do it. So much of what Jordan Peterson says reflects the gospel. It's amazing. I'm, well, you know, I say it, it all the time. I'm not, the, I'm, yes. And I'm not yeah. diminishing from his genius whatsoever, but that book, 12 Rules for Life, you get it from the book of Ecclesiastes, <laughs> mostly. Right. Some, some from Proverbs, but mostly Ecclesiastes. Yep. yep. And and one of the this is a reflection of one of the rules. One of his rules in Twelve Rules for Life is never bother a child when he's skateboarding. Never bother a child when he's skateboarding. In other words, 
let him be a let little bit dangerous in a controlled environment. That's good advice. That's tough. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I jumped, you know, I didn't jump, but I jumped. <laughs> I jumped on Cheyenne. Be careful on that. But right. then I'm like, then like, then she's like, but I want to do it. And I'm like, do it. You got it yep. right there at the store. And there wasn't anybody right around her. You know what? Like right. there's two old people that are 90 years old about to get knocked over. Yeah. There was nobody right there. I was like, do it. Just, yeah. Well, just you know, know I mean, it, I was it, so it, thankful to, to give my children the childhood that they had messing with the horses and the stuff like that. We were at the barn one time and, and every horse barn has quote unquote barn cats. They're feral cats. They're there to hunt mice. And, um, Anthony was probably four or five years old and he was trying to mess with this cat. And I said, son, if you don't leave that cat alone, you're going to get scratched. And I said, it's going to hurt really, really bad. And I'm going to hug you and I'm going to love on you, but it's still going to hurt really, really bad. Well, next thing I know, I turn around and he's got the cat picked up and the cat pivots and literally crawls up one side of him and down the other. And he had some scratches Scratch. and stuff like that. Yeah. And of course he was crying and everything. And I mean, you I, can't help but warn him, but you can't control him either. I like know. prevent him from doing everything. I know. And, and it wasn't, I wasn't cold whenever it happened. I, I squatted down. I, I grabbed him around the arm. I said, it hurts, don't it, buddy? He, yes, it does. And he's crying. I was like, well, I'm going to stay right here until you calm down. And didn't take that long. He self-soothed. I mean, when I say self-soothed, I was helping soothe him by my presence. Mm-hmm. But it equipped him with the tools, A, to soothe himself. But B, he, he had the freedom to make a mistake. And it, and it wasn't such a big mistake that yep. it was going to hurt him. Yeah. And that principle was, okay, now when I'm in the barn and he wants to go in this stall with this crazy horse that could paw him to death, I say, look, son, you want to go in that stall? I understand, but that horse will hurt you. Yep. Well, he remembers the lesson from the cat. Yep. Yep. So. I I go back to this. I think I've mentioned this on the show, but I love it. I love it. I know I've mentioned this on the show once, but just like the Andy Griffith hobo episode, you know, when when the hobo told Andy, you know, just let Opie decide for himself. I quote, he said, no, I'm afraid it don't work that way. You can't let a young and decide for themselves. They'll grab at the first flashy thing with shiny ribbons on it. And when he finds out that there's a hook in it, it's too late. That's it. So, you know, and I could go on with the quote, but that, Parents do have to guard and protect, but like in a, but a controlled environment, they can learn to make mistakes and learn yes. to make goodness, good decisions too. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the motif of Hansel and Gretel is it's something too good to be true. And <laughs> what is, what is in the, what is in the house that's too good to be true? The witch that devours you. That's yep. the overprotective mother. Yeah. And I understand, well, Tony, that the overprotective mother doesn't eat her children. Oh, yes, she does. (laughs) Yes, she does. And that's also the motif of Sleeping Beauty. Yep. You you try to take away every bit of danger from your child's life, and they hit a freeze point where they are a perpetual adolescent. They never mature. Yep. Yep. One of the modern movies, what is it, Tangled, I think, maybe? Yeah. I can't remember. 
Yeah, it's similar. It's like Hansel yep. and Gretel, basically. Same. The long hair. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I just looked at it online. We've seen yeah, that. They, you know, they lock her. They lock her in the tower to protect her. Yeah, and the mother sings a song. You know, mother knows best, and it's mm. like, no mother don't. Mother needs no. the daddy. Yep. That's why you need a mommy and a daddy. You yep. need the mommy to be overprotective, and you need the daddy to be very risky, and yep. they balance one another out. Amazing. Love, yep. Yeah, that, that's one of the positive things about TikTok is. Um, you can see there that you go down the rabbit hole of parenting and you know, there's, you know, this is, <laughs> the, here's what happens when you leave your kids with dad. And it's so funny, you know, just all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. But anyway, so again, for the theme of the show, this is biblical. Take heed unto thyself. You, you have free will. God allows you to make these decisions. This is the message that the world is wanting, and that is evident by how many people flock to Jordan Peterson in that message. Yep. yep. All right, let me get another one in here. Go to that third one. Yeah. All right, bear with me, folks. Oops. Hopefully um, it'll work. Yeah. All right, so I did Hansel and Gretel. Okay, here's the hardest rule. Jordan Peterson was asked, what's the hardest rule in his 12 rules for life? This is a good one. And again, this is, this is biblical principle. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> almost like all truth is God's truth. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. 12, 12 rules. Uh, which one do you find the hardest to follow yourself? Probably uh, the hardest one is to tell the truth or at least not to lie. Why it's a that? constant challenge. Well, because it's easy to use your speech in a way that pays off in the short term. <laughs> and it's difficult to contend with the conflict that's inevitable if you try to do things in a straightforward manner, because that produces short-term conflict. It produces long-term peace, which is a huge advantage, but um, it's very tempting in the short term to circumvent the problem and pretend that it's not there do you, so, do you, do you sometimes uh, avoid telling the truth just to be kind um i try to be as kind as possible but no <laughs> good that was the guillotine <laughs> laugh that made people uncomfortable yeah i'm tempted to yeah because i'm fundamentally an agreeable person uh surprisingly enough but i'm 12 all right <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought that was cool. Telling the truth all the time. Yes, and, and, and tell the truth, or at least do not lie. Yeah, right. So that's the thing. You may abstain from speaking if you have to. Yeah. But you can never, ever, ever lie when you speak. Yeah. That's one of the 12 rules for life. Tell the truth, or at least don't lie. I, sometimes I've been asked, you know, so do I have to say, you know, if if my mom or my wife asked me, do I look heavier this month than I did last month? I mean, that's a that's a pretty straightforward one. Yep. But just generally speaking, you don't always have to answer a question. Well, you, well, know, you like, can answer it in such a way as, you know, I don't notice stuff like that. Yeah. Now, because she brought attention to it, you may well notice that. Yeah. But you don't have to tell her. So you're yeah. not lying. Yeah. And and you're not you're not speaking the truth that they want to hear. Yeah. You're really abstaining from the question. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. 
Especially yeah. when it's somebody that's not your significant other, your wife. Like with your yeah. wife, you know, if you've had any time with them, you could probably continue a conversation that that you know might help them or might get to what yeah. they're wanting to talk about, you know. But yeah. it, like sometimes people just random people will put you on the spot with a question. And number one, you don't always have to answer. Number yeah. two, you can answer in a way that that's gonna give them the truth without being deceptive, like or lying, you know. Yeah. It can it, well, a response is what I should say. Maybe not the answer they're looking for. Yeah, I, I went out to eat at a Mexican restaurant the other day, and a woman asked me if this if the dress she was wearing made her look fat. And I'm like, no, it's that extra cheese you got on them nachos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't say that really, and that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's just a funny illustration. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so so yeah, I mean, this is a biblical principle: always tell the truth. Yeah, or at least don't lie. You know, you don't yep. you don't if if you, you can you can abstain from the conversation if you feel you have to. Out of yeah. prudence. Yeah. But the, what Jordan Peterson said there is it's tempting to lie because it produces short-term, short-term. peace. Yeah. But telling the truth always produces peace in the long term. Why? Yeah. Because truth is divine logos. It's the divine word. Yeah. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Yeah. So if you speak the truth, you're, you're participating. You're, you're part of the divine nature. You're participating in the manifestation of the Logos. Yeah. So anywhere the Logos is interjected, peace ensues. So is is the Logos the divine order? Is that? Yes. And, and yeah. that's, you know, in the beginning was the word, the Logos, and the yeah. word was with God and the word was God. In, 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 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God brooded upon the water. There was no divine logos. The logos had to affect the chaos. Yeah, the order, or yeah, Yeah. the ordered one spoke and created order in what he created, I guess. Made order in what he created. Yes. And and when we we conceptualize, and I have since I was a kid, God said, Let there be light, and there was nothing, and then light formed. That's not how it worked. Everything in the universe was created, but it was chaotic. Then God spake and said, let there be light. And that darkness that was upon the face of the deep, the light was separated from that darkness. So once things start to separate, then order starts to form. Yeah. And that, that's what the divine logos does. Yeah. Anyway. So good stuff. And again, this, this is a very, Jordan Peterson is very, very popular. Oops, hold on. Oh, well, rules. My bad. No, g- my bad. Well, good, because a, a good bit of what he says is is very needed. Absolutely. You know. Now, I've got another video, Aaron. All right. This video, I don't know that has any biblical relevance whatsoever, but I think it'll be funny. And it's interesting, by the way, it's informative. What I'm about to show you is an example of 100% nope. I will never work in a place like this. Are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. All right, me after learning. So cranberries about- are hollow, which means one very cool thing. When you go to harvest them, you can just. F- Sorry, the caption was me after learning about bog spiders. 
flood your field and they float to the surface. And that is what this creator is wading in. I had never heard of bog spiders, so I googled them and this came up. This cute little guy, this is not what she's talking about. No, after more research, I believe she is talking about a very strange phenomenon on Cranberry Farm. So some cranberry farmers use wolf spiders to control pests in the field. No, and when sir. they flood the fields, all of those spiders run to the tallest thing around, which is you. A cranberry farmer said, nah, man, you're gonna have like a hundred wolf spiders trying to climb your eyebrows brows. You gotta be chill. Those wolf spiders are fellow employees. Yes, wolf spiders do bite, and yes, I, I, I am now terrified of going to a cranberry bog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No way. No sir. No how. <laughs> I have, I, I've, I've always known that, that farmers employ insects and stuff like that, but, because I, I went into a chicken farm one time, and a chicken house, and you can scratch, like, there's these bugs everywhere. Well, they help process the manure and stuff, and it's just a naturally occurring thing, but the farmers want them because, A, they're food for the chickens, and B, they help break down the waste and everything. So I, I get it. God's design is wonderful. That's how it you know, mm -hmm. works into the Bible. Could you imagine standing knee-deep in a, <laughs> in, a, in a cranberry bog and having a hundred wolf spiders? Man, wolf, I've seen wolf spiders. Yeah. You know, six inches leg diameter or, le you know, uh, f from one leg to another be, you know, four and a half, five, maybe six inches. It looks like a foot, really, if, mm -hmm. if on a big wolf spider. I hate them. I can't stand them. I don't like them. Yeah. They have babies. The babies ride on their abdomen. It looks so creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My wife hates spiders. That's yes. like her one. Ugh. Like, there is no way. And, you know, they'd have to get into your waders. They would have to. Uh, That's gross. And they don't, they're, they're not venomous though, are they? Well, they're, that's why they're bite hurts. They do have a venom, but it's not like a black widow or a brown or clue so or anything like that. could those farmers be bit multiple times simultaneously and not be greatly affected? Or I would assume so. Okay. Yeah. Unless you're, unless you're like allergic Allerg or something yeah, like that, yeah, you know? Yeah. So we'd assume those, those people right up in there are going to get bit. They get bit. It, it, it's, oh, could you imagine? No, sure. I mean. Oh, why did I show that video? You thought it was what was the word you used? Neat. <laughs> I don't I know. I said, said funny. I have funny. Yet to laugh. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing. But yeah, I just, uh, I'm yeah. laughing because you're laughing. But that man. <laughs> exactly. All right. Anyway, exactly. the, the theme of the show today, <laughs> I hope, came across. Be hopeful. The world is wanting the truth, yes. and there are these secular philosophers out there that find the truth and they give it. But they don't go far enough. Yeah. You, it's so sad. There are going to yeah. be so many people living much better lives on this earth that at the day of judgment, it's going to come all crashing down. I know oh, there are people that will be living much better lives because of Jordan Peterson. Yes. Because of things he's, but yet they will not, by God's grace, be welcome in. No. Based only on what Jordan Peterson has taught. They well, won't. My favorite passage of Scripture, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yep. These modern-day philosophers like Simon Sneck and Jordan Peterson, they are teaching people how to live soberly and righteously, yes. sober-minded, upright before your fellow man. Yep. 
But godly is about your relationship with God. Yep. You can only get that from one place, brethren. That's right. Let's help these people fill in the blanks. Yep. And, and, and I would say, listen to Jordan Peterson. Listen to Simon Snick. They, yep. will, great, they will help you. It's good. And, uh, but just understand, they're not godly. If not we can, un- yeah, exactly. Be. If we can understand living soberly, righteously, and godly, and what that means, just like you, you know, laid it out very, very simply, then when we hear Jordan Peterson and other individuals, we won't need or want or have to say, "Oh, don't listen to Jordan Peterson. He's not a member of the one church." Well, he's not speaking on things that pertain to godliness. Or right. if he does, you go to the to the source of that, the, yes. the Word of God. Same way with soberly and righteously. Yeah. If he says something that strikes the you know a chord or or what's the right word that's that strikes he, a nerve. Yeah, strikes a nerve. Obviously, you go to the text. You go to God's word, and you say, "Is it?" But what we find is, like, I haven't read the twelve rules of life. I've wanted to look through that before, but I'm sure many of them, if not all, I think is what you said, are either in Ecclesiastes and or the Book of Proverbs. So yeah. they're, yeah, yeah. So they're biblical truths, you know. So he was right on, and I'm sure many of those things pertain to living soberly and righteously. Do they not? I'm sure they yes. do. So every one of them. So it's true, not because Jordan Peterson is saying it, but but because they're true. <laughs> they flow from the God of truth. So, you know, when we recognize that, that someone could be right about certain things. Sadly, there are some people who are they understand the right way to be right with God, but they are missing it on living righteously and soberly. All right. You know, I'm, I'm losing. You gotta have all mind. three of these. What is it? I thought it was in the first few verses of the book of Proverbs that talked about uh, fear of God is is the beginning of knowledge or something or wisdom. Yeah. Where are verses at? Am I losing my mind? Maybe verse seven. That's just a stab in the dark. I don't know. The fear. It is good grief. I I skipped right over it. Okay. That's what happened. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And you, you have to understand that there is a higher power. These modern-day philosophers understand there's a higher power. They just don't go high enough. Yep, yep. As a yep. Christian, as, a, as an evangelist, and every Christian is, should be an evangelist, you're helping people orient themselves to the highest possible good that they can conceive, and you're helping them conceive of the highest possible good. Yep. Yep. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You yep. are you are helping people establish faith. I, I just word searched fear just now, just after I guess verse seven. Yeah. Proverbs nineteen twenty three. The fear of the Lord leads to life. That's it. <laughs> I like that. That's that it. is man, that's incredible. And that's the thing. So powerful is that, Aaron, <laughs> that even the fear of a pseudo Lord leads to life in a sense you'll have a better life here a better life than if you didn't believe in a higher power at all yes yes it does that's why jordan peterson's message orient yourself towards the highest possible good of which you can conceive and live towards that ideal yep and the world is soaking it up right now and they want it yep Let's take that opportunity. Let's let's take advantage of the opportunity we have in front of us and give it to them. 
that's that's yep. the that's the thrust of the show today. Yeah. Plug in what they need and it will radically change their life like it that's has it. ours. That's it. All right. We've gone an hour and 11 minutes. Thank you so much for listening. We've had a great crowd today, upwards of 15 people. Uh, awesome. That's that's awesome. Be the algorithm for us. Share this, share this, share this. Follow the 2 by 2 podcast page. Follow the Cogitations Facebook page. Follow Digital Bible Study. Subscribe to Digital Bible Study YouTube. Uh, go to the link in the comments and buy a T-shirt that says, Jesus loves me, this I know. And you'll be helping us as podcasters. Also, you can find me on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. You can support me as a podcaster there. Aaron, do you have anything at all before we shut her down? Let's just not forget that the gospel is good news and it's God's good news. It's, it's not, it doesn't originate with us. It originates with him. And may we, you know, soak it all in for all that it's worth every day. We will be living the life, the, the full life, John 10, 10, that the Lord wants us to live. It's good news. The world's full of negative news every second. And Satan it. is using that at his every turn for millions of people, even many people who are Christians otherwise. So to soak in the good news. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus came not just that we might have life. Yep but that we might have it more abundantly. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Christianity. Now you're going to be, if you're listening to this after the fact, you're listening to it on the cogitations podcast channel. Be sure and subscribe. God bless you. This has been Tony Brew and Aaron Dotson signing off. We'll catch you on the flip side.